Welcome to the Longcom Norwich podcast, a barely bearable behemoth of bashful bluster in the build-up to Borough. This week, we welcome back both Zoe, the best Norwich City matchday programme contributor, and Dan, former head of content at the club. We're out of the cup with a whimper. We're focusing on the league, which, with the top two clash just around the corner, can only be a good thing. Right, Zoe? Yeah, I think so. Um, a little bit disappointed to be out of the cup, I think. Having that winning mentality is it's always good to continue. We had such a good time in the cup last year that it would have been really nice to have like a big club to play again, I think. Um, but if you just said before, if we if we lose this, it's not that big a deal. You just said, yeah, probably. Um, and I think that's where we are now. Don't need to think about the cup again. Uh, move on to the league and move on to getting that 100 points target. Dan, are you in the same boat as that? Effectively, you, you can live with, with no cup run if as long as the league form maintains? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, a cup run would be would be nice. Like last season's... Uh, the cup run last season essentially brought the only jo- the joy post-Man City, didn't it? So it's always, it's, always, it's always nice, but we were beaten by a very likeable and better team than us on the day as well, which made the defeat a little bit easier to, uh, to process. And, um, you know, with lots of... Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday games coming up. I think it's probably something we can do without, isn't it? So, John, you you, you know you tend to look with admiring glances at championship opponents. You know you're, you're famed for thinking Luton are the best team ever to play football. Um, where not would you really. put that? Where I mean, would you put that? Answer, I think it's probably much verbatim what you said. Um, Bollocks. <laughs> so where, where would you put Barnes? That in? is also um, that is how right? I know you, John, for thinking Luton are the best team to play football ever. Fair. Well, he's, got right, that, well. he's got that T-shirt that he wears, isn't it? And that, that yeah. tattoo of Luton. Um, now, if where would you put Barnsley then? So that you know, as Dan said, they're likable. They got a fair bit of praise, but um, I still think it was similar to, to Luton in that we didn't cause them anywhere near enough problems and were, were too easy to handle. I think it's really apparent um, to me why Barnsley are where they are in the league. I mean, you know, they kind of flirt or they have flirted with the playoffs, but they just perhaps haven't got enough quality in the final third to to maybe become a top six team. Because actually, I thought they were really organised. They were really easy on the eye. Um, when they did have the ball, um, they were quite effective with it up until a point, which was that final third. Um, and then beyond that, actually, it was generally, you know, they didn't create anything clear cut for large periods of the game but saying that I mean for the fact that this guy has has had them for you know kind of only a few months and actually they're so well drilled um is really really impressive Uh, they're probably one of the um best sides I think we've played all season actually in in quite a you know kind of I don't want to say average championship because I think that's that's kind of a bit of um lazy punditry from a lot of people who've said that the championship is average but at the same time, Barnsley have been right up there based on on Saturday's performance. Um, they've got a couple of, of really good players. I really like Callum Styles. I think he was great. But like Zoe, I'm I'm not too disappointed. It was good to get minutes in the legs of a few of those lads, and actually going through to the next round might would probably have been the only benefit um, because we weren't going to go any further than the fifth round. But um, no, I thought they were great. Yeah, what what do you think, Zoe, on on that last point of of an average championship? I actually think that rather than the, I don't think the standard is lower across the board. I think that compared to two two years ago, when I'll be honest, I you know last paid this much attention because we weren't in it last year. Um, I actually think that the, the highs are not as high and the lows are not as low. I mean, it feels very much like there are about eighteen teams that you know genuinely are are very very close together in terms of ability. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think it'd probably be doing us a disservice to say that it's so much worse than 
than last time. Uh, but I think there are a lot of very similar teams. And I don't know whether it's because of the nature of having to watch the games on TV um, or what, but a lot of the games and the performances by the teams that come and play us, um, especially at Carrow Road, um, I think they kind of merge into one. Um, there's a lot of teams trying to play in a very similar way. And that's why teams like Swansea, teams like Barnsley, that come and try and play football, even teams like Bristol City, who don't really seem to be getting anywhere trying to play play like that. But at least it's something different. They're actually trying to play. Um, and those those make for the better games. And especially when you have to watch from a distance. Those are the games that you remember, I think. Um, and yeah, so there, there does seem to be a lot of teams playing very similar football. But um, teams are also becoming, I think, harder to beat. Like we've had to work really hard to beat a lot of these teams. It doesn't mean they were playing brilliantly or that they were better than us, because I think pretty much across the board, we have been the better team in most of the games that we've played. But it's been difficult to sometimes break those teams down because they've been coming at us in a very similar way. Yeah, I think the um, on that point, one of the teams that we had to work hard to get past was was Bristol City, who who we kind of completed their league double over the you know last time out in the league, um, and that was a um, that was a really interesting one because um, I, I again I mentioned this on the previous pod. My, my new my new jam is 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 as soon as we're as soon as we've won a game to, to go and look at what the opposition fans are saying. Cause I just, you know, find that quite interesting and Schadenfreude like, um, but the Bristol city fans seem incredibly down on the manager. And when you look at the form, um, you know, it's lost one, 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 lost one, one, one. They've won again last night. They're, they're, you know, a couple of points, a couple of places outside of the, the playoffs. So it, I think that averageness that, you know, that kind of all smolched together in the middleness probably does mean that uh, some managers are maybe under a bit more pressure than they would be because like you've just said so we're watching the, everyone's watching these games on telly and their version of i follow so you, you're kind of, it's very difficult to, to to really feel like there's highs and lows in the season you kind of go in expecting to to to, to win more games than you maybe would do do you think there's any merit in that dan do you think that makes a difference the fact that fans are, are not in the stadium so they may be reacting differently yeah and also the sort of condensed nature of the season as well uh, we'll add to that every. It feels like every single club in the, well, in the in the league, not just our division, has sort of suffered potentially from more injuries than they normally do, and then to, and obviously with clubs suffering from uh, COVID as well, that puts a lot of strain on on players. And I think it's kind of noticeable that the standard has dropped, not necessarily because the teams are actually any worse this season than they normally are in the championship, but simply because they're having to play in a more condensed. Uh, fixture list which obviously means recovery isn't as good and not only recovery isn't as good but there's not as much time to train as well and for managers to get out on the training pitch um so it's probably no surprise when it's like that that the teams with the biggest and best squads are kind of at the top of the league which Norwich Swansea and Watford uh, and Bournemouth I think are still in the playoff mix it's no real surprise when fixtures are condensed like that that's that's the kind of league tab you end up with you don't end up with too many surprises well, Middlesbrough are our opponents on Saturday, John. They're in action. They're, they're currently one one nil down at home. Um, the they are uh, within a, a win, although goal difference is against them at the moment. Of, of Bournemouth, who you know lost three in the last five and only won one in the last five. So, so Bournemouth have, have really dropped the last few places. They're still, as, as Dan's just said, hanging on in sixth. Um, 
it's, it's a tricky game. It was an interesting reverse fixture, although you can't really say reverse fixture. What was the word for the, the first time we played them? Because reverse is sort of when you then do. do it again. The first time we played them, I think that's that's fine, mate. So the first time we played them. Let's go with the initial, should, should, initial fixture. The yeah, initial fixture. Thank you. So we need a, sometimes you need a head of content to just point you in the right direction. So the, the initial fixture... Um, was it was a tricky one and a thorny one and, and a really absorbing encounter. I really enjoyed the game. Um, I'm actually sort of creeping into a, a point would be would be good because they're you know they're a tricky team. They're right really? on the verge of the playoffs. I, I think take a point uh, and then make sure you get three against Millwall on on Tuesday and then we're set up nicely for that Swansea game next Saturday. Well, you really surprised me. I mean, I'm. I'm usually when Norwich are doing really well, I'm always fearful of the next fixture. I don't know what it is. I, I feel like you know the bubble has to burst at some point. And when Norwich are really average, I, I'm kind of way too optimistic about about what could be. And you're usually the other way around. So you know, you, when we're top of the league and flying, you think that you know we'll we'll blow every team away four 0 So I'm really surprised that you say that of Middlesbrough. I think it's really interesting this season that there's a lot of managers. You know, and you look at uh, maybe the Italker anchors and. Tony Pulis, I know you know he's not managing in this league anymore, but you know the the Warnocks and the football's kind of evolved and they've stayed the same. And you know, whereas previously you'd have said you know Pulis side or or a Warnock side would be a shoo-in for the playoffs, it's just not like that anymore. The teams that are at the top end of the championship actually are the teams who who want to get the ball down, who who want to play attractive football, you know, who who you know really want to pass the ball. Um, and Watford, who are they play dreadful football, don't they? Which but is, think, yeah, really given do. their yeah. squad is, seems a bit it's, it's an interesting one. But with Watford, I think they're kind of, well, they are, actually, you're right, Dan, they're, they're a bit more of a throwback in so much as they like to play two up front as well. But um, but I think generally, you know, in the main, the teams that have surprised and the teams that maybe kind of overperform in terms of the, the amount of money they've spent, you know, like a Brentford and a, a Reading this season as well, you know, they want to be expansive and they want to play good football. Um I think we'll we'll slaughter Middlesbrough. I think they're they're really poor this season. Whenever I've seen them, they've been terrible, which probably means, you know, if I'm overconfident that that we will go and lose. But now I'm I'm really really confident. I, well, one thing that's weird, I was looking at Brentford because you know they've had a hell of a run, four four wins in the last five, and you know, they've, um, it almost seems like they should they should already be a bit higher up the table than they are. You know, it feels like they should be be more of a threat than they have been. Um, their disciplinary record is unbelievable. There's been like they've had seven red cards in the last thirteen games. I mean, okay, a couple of those have been uh, against them, but it just seems there's always seems to be a red card in a in a Brentford game recently. Um, I, I always wonder when you see little little runs like that, whether or not, um, for example, they 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 played QPR and Rotherham and, and then Blackburn, and then three games in a row where the other player got got and the other team got sent off, and then they they had a red card in um, in the the FA Cup, sorry, the EFL when they lost against um, uh, Spurs in, in January. Um, so yeah, I, I just put, cropped up to me. I wondered whether or not um, that's something that teams start to play on if they think, oh, we, we, we're getting a good way of getting people sent off and they start to kind of crowd around the ref a little bit more more often because those sort, sort of analytical runs can't be a fluke. And um, yeah, the, the uh, last week it was both Brentford and Luton, your favourite team, John, but both lost a man um, when, when Brentford beat them 1-0. Well, I just wonder if it's maybe a case of the Brentford manager, uh, Thomas Frank, Potentially thinking that uh, they're a bit sort of a bit of a soft touch has told his players to get a bit you know toughen up a bit and they've gone they've gone too far the other way yeah yeah um, so yeah I, like I said I, I think Middlesbrough on Saturday um, 
and then and then Millwall. I'm I'm thinking four points rather than six from those two games. And Millwall was one of those. We beat them two 0 It could have been ten. Um, and there's been there's been a few too many of that of those this this season. Um, but it hasn't mattered because we we have always had the points. But you know that there there are going to be games and you know uh, escapes. Who was it? Was it the was it, it was Barnsley, wasn't it, in the league game where they very nearly equalised in the last minute, even though we'd battered them all of the second half? Yeah, so so you, you do feel like, as you know, to, to your point, John, being not wanting to be negative, but the bu- in terms of the bubble bursting, we're probably due at least a couple of games soon. Where if we continually don't put teams away, they are going to get a lucky one in, and actually that's going to go the right side of the post or the right side of the bar for a change and go in. Um, so, so what about you, Zoe? Do you think that, that only asking for four points from the next two games is too conservative of me, go, going ahead to that Swansea game, which looks absolutely huge at the moment? Absolutely. I think uh, I think three points from every game should be our hope and expectation at this stage. We, I think we've proven that we are more than a match for pretty much anyone on our day. I think you're probably right. We are incredibly wasteful. Like we wa- we waste so many chances, um, which you're right. Perhaps that one day will come, come round and bite us on the bum a little bit um, and it could go the wrong way for us. But sort of on the other, on the other hand, I think we are due a big win. Um, like if we, if we start taking those chances and converting those chances, you know, if the, different players that keep missing actually start hitting the back of the net. I think we are due beating a team by quite a few. And I'm quite tired, I think, of trying to explain to people that support other clubs that we're not top of the league by accident. Like, we are playing teams off the park. We just miss a lot of chances. And we seem to sort of have a bit of a brain freeze for 15 minutes at least every game um, and sort of get ourselves into a bit of a pickle. But I think, you know, I think we can go from strength to strength. I don't think we're in a false position. I just think we need to stop being quite so wasteful. Oh, I completely agree. I, I don't think there's anything false about it. The the, the t- I haven't seen anyone come close to, to to the football that we can play. Brentford are um, the only team I've seen who I've who in their attacking phases I've thought that you look as much of a nightmare when you are flying as we look like to defend. Um, I haven't. I haven't obviously seen anything like as much as Swansea. I've seen. I've seen bits and bobs of highlights and a, a few patches of games, and obviously the game that, that at Carrow Road where they played all right for when we weren't playing very well. Um, but but that, to, to me, Brentford looked like the team that that really are are our biggest threat to to causing us a problem with automatic. Um, I think Bournemouth will come good. Um, there's just too much talent in that in that squad. There is the you know if, if it carries on like this, you know if we get towards middle of Feb, end of Feb, and they're still towards the bottom of the playoffs, even though you know loads of teams would love to be well. Let's have it right. There's you know what uh, eighteen teams that would love to swap places with Bournemouth if they're six at the end of February. But for that team with that expectation, with that many players that were in and around the Prem last year, you could get to the stage where they you know the it gets a bit stagnant and the, and the dressing room starts to be an un- unpleasant place to be and, and we've seen that plenty of times right with with, with teams that come down from the premier it would be really really you know, abnormal for for all three of the relegated sides to be in the top six let alone be threatening to all go up we are reaching that stage of the season where we've seen we've played everyone and we you know we're now starting to crack on with the second games 
um, John made the suggestion that we could maybe have a, a quick poll of uh, of player of the season as it stands because earlier in the earlier in the season there was a couple of real standout candidates, but I think in the last two or three um, weeks, especially with you know Cruel missing a few games, um, maybe some different people have come to the fore. I've certainly slightly changed my opinion. So let's start with you, Dan. Who, who would you say if it was Barry Butler time tomorrow? Who, who would you be handing the trophy to? Uh, Emmy. Okay. It would have. Yeah, I, I know there's a few others, obviously. Well, the backbone has been pretty good, and obviously the centre back's been really good. Hanley's been outstanding, but we still miss, you know, as evidence against Barnsley, we still miss that spark, that creative spark that Buendia brings. That uh, Cantwell doesn't quite have that same level. Uh, Steeperman hasn't had that same level this season. Brancic hasn't. Dow hasn't when he's when he's uh, played. Uh, Buendia just makes. He's the best player in the division. He shouldn't be in this division. Um, he should, you know, barely be playing for anyone outside the top six of the Premier League. So uh, he's just been out of this world. Uh, but if he gets to like a run of bad form, or if um, or if he gets injured, then you've got Skip and Hanley and Gibson. I think uh, running in pretty st- close. Remember, remember, we've still probably got one more suspension to come for him as well. Oh, hopefully, um, we've got several sending offs. Yeah. Yeah, there's only there's only there's only it's only a matter of time. <laughs> well, he hasn't been sent off for a while, so he's due one. Um, yeah, you mentioned Dowell. I I think that at, at the moment, yeah, he's been ever so unlucky with injury, but we have still seen a few minutes of him. I th- I would say that he is one he's one of those where if Norwich are going to win the league or or have automatic promotion this season, um, he he needs to have a really big last few months of the season. I, I think that. Um, we can't expect Emmy. It might happen because he's incredible, but it seems foolhardy. And obviously, they've not got into the season expecting Emmy to do it at that level every single game. You know, you mentioned the condensed season down earlier. Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday. We we need to give Emmy a rest every now and again. And 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 Fark is simply not going to have the confidence to do that until Dowell and or Cantwell, maybe a Dowell and Cantwell together if they are both on the pitch and playing well. I mean, Cantwell played brilliantly a couple of games ago. Um, I think, in fact, I think it was the Bristol City game where, where, where Campbell yeah, played very well. But but then there's been other games where it just he hasn't quite hit the heights, and so he's not got that consistency. So I feel like you know a, a, a tweaked ligament or or, or 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 bruised knee or something that that is a niggly injury that 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 brings Emmy down to kind of sixty seventy percent. And all of a sudden, it could be a bit of a struggle. So I think Dow really needs to kick on because there was a lot of excitement about him signing. And personally, other than one nice turn on the edge of the box. I've not seen a lot from him that that makes me think he that he's gonna he hit those heights. So I'd really like him to to kick on. What do you think, John? I think that's the difficulty with going out of the cup because Dow looks to me all ends up like the kind of player who you know he's had an injury and he needs game time. He needs to to grow into games. He needs to grow in into this side. He's been bought as a number ten. You know, it was clear that that him and probably Marco Stephen were going to face off to to play in behind. Puki and neither of them have have been fit to do so, and it, and that's probably been the only weak point of our side so far so far this season that we haven't had a natural number ten, and we've had to play Mario in there, and he, you know he's he's done okay, but you can tell that's that's not you know his his favoured position, and it's not perhaps where he's most effective. I really like what I've seen from Dow in fits and starts. I think he was probably the player on Saturday who made the most happen. So you know he he created both our most presentable opportunities or he was certainly you know kind of massively involved in in creating both of those chances towards the end of the game and I think the more he plays the more he's going to become influential I I think I said to you before Tom that he looks like the kind of player that if we were at Carrow Road 
almost in a in a Franchich-esque way, he looks really lazy. Like he he looks like he's gliding about the pitch rather than actually putting it in. And I, I think maybe that's not quite right. And so people are quick to judge him because they, you know, everyone wants their footballers or, you know, the average football fan wants their footballers to look like they're putting in 100% all the time because that's the minimum that we expect. And I think Dow probably is doing that. And, and there's probably people at, um, at Colney that are are making sure that, you know, his stats and his numbers are are where they should be. It's just the way in which he runs and the way in which he, he presents himself on a football pitch perhaps, is you know, isn't um, the same in the traditional sense. I think the point that you make about Emmy is is an interesting one. I mean, for me, Emmy has to play every single minute that he's near fitness because, as, as Dan's just said, he's he's the best player in the division by a stretch. And when he plays, I, I think the, someone had tweeted the the um, points per game that we achieve with Emmy and without, and it was astounding. Yeah. It was something ridiculous, like two point three, you know, points per game with Emmy in the team in, in the championship. I mean, he's just yeah. an animal at this level. It's it's ridiculous, and you can't look to to go back to the original talking point that that we were on you can't look far past him for player of the season as it stands I think the only other candidate that that I could foresee really you know having any kind of um chance at the moment is is Ollie Skip and people aren't yes. going to vote for a lone player are they you know so it's it's probably Emmy yeah no I, I Skip is the one one person I think I wanted to to bring up as um being genuinely deserving of, of what an impact he's made and that you can look to the cup for the time he's not on the pitch my goodness me, that's a yeah. big hole. I mean, you, you can see why he there and take him. I mean, it was um, you know McLean, uh, McLean and Skip together quite clearly by a, a country mile our best centre midfield pairing. I mean, they, we've that's that's the best and the most secure and the best we've moved the ball from defence when we've had those two together. So obviously, who, who do we think is going to be that's going to come in in tomorrow, Zoe? Who, who do you think will start alongside Skip? Well, I think. I would probably say if Rupp is fit, he should be playing. Um, you know, he was playing so well before he got injured and then he's obviously been ill. I think first half of the cup game, he looked like a man who'd been ill. And in fact, he probably looked like a man who was still ill. Um, but he sort of grew into the game um, and started to get flashes of of how well he'd been playing before. I think he's probably the natural sort of replacement for Kenny. It's a shame for Kenny because I think it's the best he's ever played for Norwich um, in the last couple of months. Um, but I think, yeah, probably Rupp is, if if fit, uh, probably going to sort of slide back into the midfield. And on the player of the season side of things, any any other name to add in? I mean, we should really have one more because there's normally a top three. So Emmy wins it, Skip comes second. Who, who are you putting in third? Timmy Krull? Uh, well, if Krull obviously comes back in, gets back up to the level of uh, form he was at before he got injured, he's got a good shout. But I would like to go back to Hanley because I did um, write for the programme about the Barry Butler Award and everyone that's won it a couple of seasons ago. And Norwich fans love to vote for a defender. Um, we do. If, we, if we've got a defender that's had a really solid season, they're going to do well. And I think Hanley being captain as well, all of the bad luck that he's had in the last few seasons. I wouldn't be surprised if he if he does very well in the vote. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. I think he's been a great leader. And uh, last time out, we were talking about potential um, transfers that we would we would want to see. Uh, and in terms of in terms of where we'd want to strengthen, again, I think it's a massive drop off. Um, Gibson plus anyone currently is a massive drop off from Gibson plus Hanley. 
Um, and and so I and likewise the other way around. I'm, you know, either of those two, I, I think is, is is a concern if we were to lose him now. So I, I think we 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 could have done with maybe looking at a loan or looking at bolstering that position in this window. And I think we need at least two um, in in the summer if we if we do go up. <laughs> Zoe and Dan, you guys authored the book The Place is Going Bananas, which is an awesome Canaries history book. Um, be interested because we, we've had you on separately before, but not together. So what, what were the highlights of, of putting that putting that uh, putting that book together? It's been a really good process. I think it's it was interesting the way it got put together because it, it sort of originated in some uh, programme pieces that had happened over the course of a couple of seasons. So it was really nice to sort of revisit that kind of chronology of going through all of our managers through time and and how things had sort of developed for the club and just really interesting to to look at our history and really sort of it puts the present I think in context as well like all of our expectations about whether we're going to be in the Premier League and whether we should be in the Premier League as like a permanent fixture when you when you start to look back at the history of the club you start to think well you know that's that's not who we are you know historically we are not a top flight club so becoming one or becoming a top 26 club like we're aiming to do at the moment I think you know that's such a development from where we used to be and I think we should all be sort of really proud of how the club club has built itself up throughout its history I think. Yeah that's yeah up until like the 70s when we finally got uh, shifting through the through the divisions we were a club that hung around sort of mid-table in the third tier of English football Uh, so it's pretty extraordinary rise in some ways uh, since then. But I, th- I think um, when you talk about official history books of football clubs, then obviously you kind of think of them being a little bit grey and, uh, you know, deep in facts and stats and stuff. Whereas I think when we set out to write it, uh, originally the programme uh, columns, as, as Zoe mentioned, the idea was to sort of cover off each manager, the highlights of each manager as well. And, you know, the lowlights because... God knows there's been a lot of lowlights uh, throughout our history as well that had to be covered. But it's sort of it, it, football clubs should be are, are there for, you know, they're a community based club. They're there to bring joy to people and stuff. So that's what essentially we wanted to cover in the official history. We didn't want to get too bogged down in just results and facts and stats. We just wanted to tell the story of uh, Norwich City Football Club rather than the history. It's the way we sort of went into it. It's, you know, football clubs have great stories. Whoever you support, uh, in whatever country you support, the club you support will always have a really great story, a really interesting story. Um, and we tried to sort of portray that in the book. I would say it's very vibe-based, not so much stats-based. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a heavy vibe book, that is. It's relatively <laughs> small as well, you know. Uh, you can get like you, Dan. You can get through it. <laughs> you can get through, it's pocket-sized like me. You can get through it in a, uh, in a couple of sessions. Um, it's got a lovely cover. And it's called The Place is Going Bananas as well, uh, which uh, is obviously a famous Neil Adams quote as well. So we, we tried to do it a little bit differently. Obviously, we cheated because most of the content had already been written for the programme, but it was edited thoroughly after that and bits were added in and stuff like that. And obviously, with any history, you're always uncovering new bits of information as well. Like just trawling through, I never realised that we had a player from uh, who'd fled the Spanish Civil War in the 50s and came over mm. like 400 other children um, and two, uh, you know, twelve of which went on to play football league, uh, football. And two brothers played. One represented Brentford quite a lot, and the other one, uh, what's his name, Antonio Gallego, represented us once as well. So it's just sort of full of interesting stories that pop up like that. That 
Um, and, you know, I've never thought of myself as any sort of great sage when it comes to Norwich City uh, football history at all. So it was, a, it was a kind of an exploration for me as well. And I think so, uh, safe to say for Zoe as well. Oh, definitely. And it's got Grant Holt in it, which uh, is sort of a number one prerequisite for any great reading, I would suggest. Absolutely. Oh, and, and, you know, you can't really talk about this without, uh, obviously, myself and Zoe did all the legwork, but we've got Philip Pullman uh, writing in it as well. So that should probably be mentioned, that one of Britain's great authors, who's obviously a Norwich City fan, has written the foreword for the book as well. Well, I'm looking at the cover of the book here and uh, forward by Philip Pullman is the size of that font is almost as big as the size of the font for Norwich City Football Club. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you certainly don't underplay that. <laughs> I would safely say more people know who uh, Philip Pullman is, the Norwich City Football Club, probably. You know, when you're trying to well, pull in that global audience, which we are obviously after. Yeah, well, well, the global audience can go to the Canaries uh, shop. Uh, it's online, uh, and uh, it's available for for the pricely sum of fifteen pounds from the from the Norwich City website. Um, so you can read what 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 was just been beautifully described by our friends. A little bit of news to cover. We've heard it on the grapevine, and it's been all over social media and pretty much all sports news outlets that. Um, maybe the the football league are falling out of love with uh, having betting logos on the inside legs of shorts and sleeves and sunglasses sponsors. Um, it's an interesting departure, and it will be quite a quite a change um, to quite a lot of the, the commercial uh, agreements up and down the land, John. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, you know, I, I kind of wholesale disagree with most things that that our current government does but actually if the reports in the newspapers are um you know are factual then i think it's a brilliant move you know it's um a lot of people will will probably pour scorn over it and you know can, and say that actually football sponsorship isn't going to stop anyone having a bet or you know encourage anyone to have a bet that that perhaps you know kind of wasn't before but actually for my money i mean there's a there's a couple of strands to it so the you put in money on this are you john yeah, yeah, for, for my thank you. <laughs> but I think, in my view, um, it's just normalising it. So it's it's pretty much like you know when I grew up in the eighties, and actually you look at any snooker tournament or you know any Formula One racing or or anything, and it would have cigarette sponsorship all over it. And and beyond that, there was alcohol sponsorship. You know, kind of, and it just normalises it. Not necessarily in adults' minds, but in children's minds. And I just think that's really dangerous for for something like gambling. And I was really disappointed actually when when Norwich City, um, you know, went and and took a, a gambling sponsor. And I know why they did it. You know, the, clearly the the logic behind that is is the amounts of money and and the kind of eye watering amounts of money that that clubs are are getting paid to have um, sponsor uh, you know gambling sponsors. Um, but at the same time, I just feel like a club like Norwich, um, you know, which has its roots steeped in the community and, and they will, you know, play on that, you know, quite hard. Um, you know, they probably have a moral obligation not to be engaging with those kinds of firms. And, and that's that's what I want my football club to stand for. That's what I want Norwich City to stand for. Equally, you know, I'm there will be a commercial argument and I'm sure the club would play that quite hard. So I think it's a really good move that the government is taking that out of um, you know, football clubs and, and sports clubs hands and just saying, no, actually, let's not do that. I generally agree. I think the culture is dangerous. And, uh, you know, the, there's even a term gamblification of football. It, as John says, it's it's normalising it. But I don't think it's quite black and white because, A, as John touched on as well, you know, the difference between Norwich City getting a, you know, a million or a couple of million extra a year from a gambling company than they would from any other company uh, as a front of shirt sponsor is is huge for a club of 
our resource and our size. So, you know, when you're making those sort of decisions as uh, as at a board level at a football club, they're not quite as sort of black and white, I don't think. And also, I don't, do, foot, do football teams have a sort of, should they be moral guardians? Because that's sort of foisted on football clubs a lot, isn't it? Which we, you know, we saw at the start of the coronavirus pandemic about uh, the government coming out and saying footballers should be uh, giving a load of money to the NHS, etc. Et Personally, I think, maybe, as John says again, you know, we're, if we are a community club, then we potentially do have the moral obligation to act like a community club in that re- re- respect. Then again, you know, like just like we saw with booze being removed from the front of shirts and cigarettes being removed, another industry will pop up like gambling did to take its place. And when, and the kind of industries that can afford. The, those kind of costs to go on the front of shirts are the kind of industries which will inevitably have something at some level sort of morally dubious about them. So like, do you want an oil and gas uh, company on the front of our shirts? Do you want Amazon, you know, with, with a company that doesn't pay its taxes on the on the front of the shirt? So I don't think it's just removing gambling will then remove the sort of moral uh, issues we have with sort of front of shirt sponsors. So, you know, just go local and get not cuts on the cover is the way we should go. I think as as well, uh, taking morals out of it, which uh, I usually like to do, the because you're because of... you are so amoral. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, it's it it all comes down to the wider question of the haves and haves not have nots in football. There is such a disparity between the people that have money and the people that do not have money, and that is only going to get worse through as as long as we keep going without crowds in stadiums. Um, without revenues being ger- generated through ticket sales, that you take these firms and these sponsorships away from clubs and there's there's going to be a, an even bigger hole in the finances. And then until you get the Premier League sharing their wealth better and things being fed down the pyramid better, clubs are going to really struggle to be able to say no to things that they might have a moral obligation to, uh, no opposition to and I think um you know it's just a really dangerous thing financially to take it away without there necessarily being a replacement to step in and I think you know you might find clubs really starting to struggle um even more than they already are and um you know that's not a gambling v no gambling thing because I don't agree with it either but at the same time like it's a wider question of how do we support clubs throughout the leagues to continue as a viable concern. It's time for the Long Come Norwich quiz. John has had an incredible season, beating almost everyone uh, who comes to challenge him, but I feel he may be right up against it. Bear in mind, we've got two Norwich City History Book authors on the pod. Um, Keep bigging him up, mate. It's fine. uh, We're going to start with you, Dan. You've got 60 seconds, which John will time for you. uh, And you... And you need to, uh, so today the questions are on uh, nicknames of teams, uh, transfer records, because we are um, we're in transfer window, a uh, little bit of Norwich City history, obviously, um, and uh, some random old other crap that I found. So your time, Dan, starts now. Which League One team is nicknamed the Brewers? Burton Albion. Correct. Yes. Which Frenchman is the fifth most expensive transfer of all time when Barca bought him from Atletico? 
Uh, Griezmann. Correct. Uh, number three, what shirt number did Gossi wear in the away leg at Bayern Munich? Oh, don't ask me things like that. Um, eight. Incorrect. Who was Norwich City's manager on the 1st of January 2000? Hmm. Uh, Bruce Rioch. Correct. Which Premier League team used to play at Wellington Road? I don't know, pass. Uh, which former Canary has made the most Premier League appearances for Wolves? <laughs> As in, just from Norwich City players that have played for, for Wolves? No, no, no. no. They, they, he is their most Premier League capped player. Oh. Most apps. Uh, time. No time, time, time. Uh, which shirt number? Oh, three out of six. Very, That's very good. strong. That's so very, very strong. Really That's triple what I got uh, last time, I think, isn't it? Well done, mate. Yeah. Uh, one so, uh, Zoe, do you know what number Gossi wore at Bayern is, Munich? Is it not 11? It is 11. Is yeah, it not 11? It is 11, yeah. It is. And uh, you got Norris's manager. Uh, Aston Villa used to play at Wellington Road. That's yeah. before, That was pre... Not yeah, I, I didn't know that. I found that out today. Uh, and Matt Jarvis is the canary. So he, uh, he 118 or something. Mm. A long time ago. Uh, so, Zoe, you've got three to get to the tiebreaker with Dan uh, or four to take the lead. And your time, timed by Jonathan Punt, starts now. Which Serie A team are nicknamed the Yellow and Reds? Mm, Lazio. Incorrect. Which player from the British Isles has been signed for the biggest fee? British Isles. No, pass. Uh, what shirt number did Mark Robbins wear when Norwich beat Arsenal at Highbury in 1992? Nine. Incorrect. Who did Norwich City beat 8-3 in the League Cup in the year 2000? Mm. Over two legs. Oh, an aggregate score. It was, yeah. 3-3 mm. three, three, um, at home, 5-0 away. Wickham. Incorrect. Which Premier League team used to play at Stony Lane? Hmm. Um, Host of Villa. Let's go for... Um, really close to Villa. Wolves? No. Who was the last English Premier League manager of the month for a Time. team no longer in the Premier League? Oh, I tried. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, uh, they, I think they were maybe a bit they hard. They were really hard, hard, mate. I, they were I much trying, harder than Dan's. I trying to make like them all. Hang Dan's. on, John. Dan is still on the line. Like you know, like, well done, Dan. You took. You still did well as well. They were. They were. Um, they were far more difficult. It's true. Yeah, they well, were. That's fine. I thought. It's fine, I thought guys. the. It's fine. I thought the yellow and reds one was was easy because there's only one yellow and red Italian team that comes to mind. I've not got no, time for Italian football. I spend all my time okay. watching iFollow. Oh, fair, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, so Roma are, are yeah. the yellow and reds. Yeah. Um, most expensive player, who's Welsh? Oh, Bale. Ba- oh, Gareth Bale. Bale. I Again, nearly I, said Michael I, Owen, which would have been even more embarrassing yeah. than saying I didn't know. Oh, he was number 12, surely. He, he was number 12. He came on as a sub. Yeah, he came on as a sub. So he was number 12. Um he uh Norwich beat Blackpool uh five nil away after I mean, drawing that, three. That is a home. proper tough if it'd been a one off yeah, that was a hard. three, but over aggregate twenty one yeah. years ago in a shitty cup. Sorry, the Premier League team that, that used to play at Stony Lane, uh, that is near where Aston Villa is West Brom. <laughs> I couldn't think um, of any other team that existed apart from Aston Villa at that stage. Uh, it was strange. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, 
And then the the final question was going to be, uh, who was the last English Premier League manager of the month for a team no longer in the Premier League? Oh, for a team no longer in the Premier League. Tony Pulis? Oh, no, it's Welsh. Um... Steve, no. Eddie Howe. It is Eddie Howe, mm. yeah. So uh, I'm sorry that I might have made them slightly difficult, but but rest assured, John's ones are coming up. Do I, do I get hey. half a point for Gossie's shirt number from Daniel's questions? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely, 100%. Um, right, John, you've got three to get to the tiebreaker, four to win. Your time starts now. Which Spanish Champions League winners are nicknamed the Mattress Makers? What? Um, Atletico Madrid. Correct. Which player from Argentina has been signed for the biggest fee? Um, Veron. No. What shirt number did Anthony Pilkington wear when he scored the winner against Manchester United at home? 12. Correct. Who was Norwich's first signing of this century? Oh, fucking hell, mate. Paul McVeigh. <laughs> no. Which current Premier League team used to play at the Nest? Current Premier League team used to play at the Nest? Crystal Palace. Correct. Who is the other Welsh player other than Gareth Bale at Spurs with a goal or an assist this season? Uh, what's his name? Ben. I can't remember his. I'll pass. I'm never going to remember his surname. Go on. I'll take it because it's Ben Davis. You whoa, 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 whoa. Ben <laughs> Davis, <laughs> go on, go. Uh, which was Norwich's first signing of the century? That's a ridiculous question. Julian Brellier. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, you keep guessing because you, my, my you, oh no, you haven't got the you haven't got the Argentina one either. Okay, uh, you didn't get the Argentina know. one. Crespo. Uh, uh, no, does anyone know the Argentina one? Mascherano. No, it's Higuain. Mm. Um, so the first Norwich signing of the century um, was actually four of them all arrived on the twenty second of March on loan, and the here before there's Hamilton, Gary Brady, yep. like all yep. of them, like. Yeah, Derek Carrington. We, we played QPR the day after. I remember going to Loftus Road on the on the strength. You have, you of have those the bonus findings. I decided to go. Uh, yeah, go on. Sorry, what's that? Yeah, what I'll have bonus a bonus point. What's the bonus point you want? No, no, no. I was. It sounded like John was after bonus points by. Um... Yeah, no, Dave Hamilton, um... Gary Brady, Paul McVeigh signed around that time as well. Like Punt isn't getting bonus points for remembering that he no. did something, and nor should he get and a half Ray... a point for remembering a first name. He's not Ben Davis. Is not Pele. Fuck off, yeah. mate! You lost. <laughs> he goes by two. That's three out. Right, he, okay. he got three. Didn't he, right. John? No, no, so, I've got four. He get, oh, no, it's, right. it's Tom's rules. Isn't it? Right, you know. so it is my rules. And that therefore, because of uh, I'm going to do exactly the same with you two that I do with my boys at home, which is if you can't play with something nicely, then it goes away. So therefore, Zoe gets promoted <laughs> to three points and you're all, you're, you're all on three points, which takes us to a tie break. Um, so Zoe, I'm going to come to you first. Really? Speaking of transfers, how much in Euros was Angel Di Maria signed for by Man United? So in euros, how many millions? I'll give you a clue. It was in millions. Was Angel Di Maria signed for by Man United? I need an exact number and then an exact number from the two gentlemen. Oh, so it's the same question for all of us, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 45. Why in euros? Have you just not done a like um? Yeah, because the website's got it in euros. <laughs> it's very. And also, I thought. I also thought it might be a bit harder in the fact that because you, you might remember it exactly and then it's a little bit more tricky if you've got to convert it. I mean, remembering it exactly seems unlikely given my previous performance. So I'm going to say 45 million. Huh. Okay. Oh, Dan, that was dismissive. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, no so that was a, I, I've nearly gone for exactly the same. 
Well, you go next then. 47 million. Oh, wow, that's sneaky. John? Um, it's more than that because he signed for nearly 60 million for Man United, I think. So I'm going to go, I don't know. What, are you working on the current exchange rate post-Brexit, mate, or the, the one at uh, a time? I'm, I just need I'm, to be clear about that. I, I'm working... I'm I'm working on the maximum fee based on the list on Wikipedia of the top fifty most expensive association football transfers. Right. I, I will say seventy million euros. Uh, then you're very close because they say it's seventy five point six. Um, so yet again, thanks to remembering the name Ben and getting the tiebreaker right. Um, Hang on, we, we, no, but Ben, I'd I'd have had four points if you'd given me Ben, and I'd have won outright anyway, mate. Yeah, but that, that was the point I was making. When I've just told you that you've won, you don't need to argue with me. Like, I'm, no. I'm, t- I'm giving you the reasons why you've won and you're still Any arguing with to me. argue with me, mate. Fine. Uh, fine. Anyway, so um, congratulations, Zoe. You're the winner this week. Uh, it's fantastic <laughs> having you back on. Dan, really, really enjoyed your company. Thank you for your excellent uh, punditry and uh, telling us about that lovely book that's available on the website. Go and get it for £15. Punt, I acknowledge that you exist. Um, everyone else, enjoy the Borough game. Enjoy the Millwall game. That Swansea game looks like it's going to be an absolute cracker. It's finished 1-1 uh, at the Liberty, so they're definitely not going to be able to go past us by next Saturday, which is exciting. Mind how you go. That was a long outro, wasn't it? Most clubs have local garden centres that can sponsor them, I suppose. That is not, true. not just Norwich City. <laughs> well, maybe not Cuts could could sponsor most of the football league. Like, I mean, maybe that's maybe there could be some kind of um, uh, lucrative deal that that is, you know, buy you know, sponsor seventy two get seventy three or, or something. They must have loads of money, mate. They they overcharge for their product. So yeah, it would be I'm interesting sure to see the power and reach fine. of this podcast actually if I start getting um, plants being sent through to me from Not Cuts. Or uh, gazebos uh, turning up. Well, it's, worth, it's worth mentioning. Are they essential? No, are they still cut. open? They're open. Yeah, not cuts are open. Yeah, oh, they must be yeah. raking it in. So yeah, get them on the front of the show. Oh, good pun. <laughs> <laughs> was that intended? Um, you know, I was talking. About, was that intended? Uh, we'll pretend it was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was talking about red cards in Brentford games. There's been another one tonight. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So it's one-one. So nice. it's, it's pretty much what I think we're after. Um, but Conor Hurahan, which is a hell of a signing, has equalised. Um, uh, Carl Norton, um, formerly of this parish, got sent off uh, for the Swans. Um, so yeah, there's about there's about there's a few minutes left in that one. So um, uh, I think that would that would suit us in, in a kind of tidy way. I think. Great yeah, red. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not sure. Um, He's I'm out for sure. three games. Sh- that might help. It only Ooh, shows yeah, it only shows a red here. It doesn't show two yellows in red. I'm looking on the Google one, so I'm not sure whether or not that normally does actually show it or not. This is great content. <laughs> I know. Right, talking about something that's now. happening that will have happened when this comes out. Yeah, yeah brilliant. <laughs> uh, what are we on? We're on a lot of edits today. Thirty-seven, so about thirty-six minutes. I'll be Barry Butler not cuts memorial trophy. <laughs> <laughs> good good it's got a ring to Amazing. it isn't it yeah the not cut city stand that would be good. <laughs>
Oh, yeah. Well, let's just why don't you just go all out and go not cut city like that's our new. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. That's yeah. fine too. And oh, and the um the suburbs benches could be actual like garden benches. Surely, uh, from, surely from Andrew Lawn has a role to play in all of this as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's sort of gone to see. We didn't on think this, this through, did we? <laughs> didn't think this through. So many puns. Okay. Uh, it's time for the long come Norwich quiz. John has had an incredible season.